RTHK, the news at one with Todd Harding. The headlines, the government stresses that it's fully committed to the introduction of electronic tunnel tolls by the end of the year. The Commerce Minister says iCable's decision to give up its pay TV licence is purely a commercial one. And the Syrian ambassador to the United Nations says there will be no discrimination over who gets earthquake relief aid. The government says it still plans to introduce electronic toll payments across harbour tunnels in the summer and the rest of the tunnels by year-end. This is despite the first stage of its Hong Kong e-toll plan at the Chingsa control area being delayed by more than two months after drivers complained they weren't ready. Transport Commissioner Rosanna Law apologised, saying authorities would boost publicity. She told RTHK that over 450,000 tags had now been issued and HKE toll could be made compulsory in future. She also denied that laid-off toll workers at Ching Sa would lose their severance pay after they were asked to come back to work. I know that some might say that those agreeing to stay on might not be able to get the extra share payment upon the end of the contract. That is not true. Actually, every one of them will get the original promised extra share payment by the management operator. And now, when we announce the extension, I understand that there will be additional extra share payment agreed already between government and the contractor. So there is no question of not getting expression payment upon the extension. Commerce Minister Algernon Yao says iCable's decision to give up its pay TV licence is purely a commercial one. The station announced yesterday it will stop broadcasting from June, citing strong competition and a rapidly changing media landscape here. Mr Yao has asked how less competition will affect the TV market. I think the market itself will tell whether the pay TV market is uh, necessary. And the whole broadcasting landscape has changed from time to time, so it is all subject to commercial decision for them to continue or to terminate their program. I think the market is very open, and there is always a chance if people is interested to get into the pay TV program. There's no restriction at all. iCable's share price surged by almost 45% at one point this morning after it resumed trading. It was trading at 5.9 cents per share at noon. Meanwhile, speaking on an RTHK program, the CEO of iCable, Stephen Wong, said there are no plans to lay off any staff following the termination of its pay TV service licence. Mr Wong said it's because the company is removing programmes produced overseas but is looking to expand its local production and Cantonese content for the free TV service. The company's application to surrender the pay TV licence was approved by the government yesterday and will take effect on June the 1st. A media analyst at PricewaterhouseCoopers says he's not surprised that iCable is giving up its pay TV licence. Wilson Chow heads PwC's global technology and media industry practice and says Hong Kong is a small market that faces competition from global services such as Netflix, Disney Plus and Apple TV. He said for local operators to survive, they should consider expanding into the Greater Bay Area or even allowing subscribers to generate content. They may consider to really localize the content and people may prefer the user-generated content and then they open that platform, allow the users to generate their content and also broadcast to the wider media. And GBA should be a focus, although there will be regulations governing the broadcasting media and also there will be the censorship program in place too. But I would still think that there can be a way for the operator to explore ways to operate in the GBA so as to expand their content, their supply as well as expand their subscriber.
The government says it has no plans to force Hong Kongers who benefit from publicly funded talent retention measures to stay here in order to get the aid. It was responding to a written question from lawmaker Jimmy Ng asking about the shrinking labour force. Labour Minister Chris Sun says officials have no plans to set terms for people to benefit from schemes such as the low-interest home loan scheme for public doctors. He says as talents trail opportunities, they will choose to stay as long as the SAR maintains its competitiveness and provides young people with prospects. The Consumer Council has urged dehumidifier brands to provide more transparent and precise information about the performance of their products. The watchdog tested 14 models and found the dehumidifying capacity of two was lower than the claimed value after installing an air filter. Both have a Grade 1 energy label, which indicates the product was among the most energy efficient, but they failed to live up to their rating with the filter. In response to the council, one brand says the filter is complimentary and consumers can choose not to install it. Nora Tam, who chairs the council's research and testing committee, says more clarity is needed. If you give them something which will affect the energy efficiency and the dehumidifying capacity, it should be mentioned to the consumer somewhere in your leaflet or in your label. And particularly if the energy efficiency label will drop from one to two or even to four, that's a very, very important information because that will cost you more money uh, when you want to make your room drier. Turning overseas, the Syrian ambassador to the United Nations says there will be no discrimination between government and rebel-held zones of the country when it comes to distributing aid after last week's devastating earthquakes. Bassam al-Sabah said supplies would get to those who needed them. The first deliveries of aid have entered opposition-held areas of northern Syria through one of two newly opened border crossings with Turkey. Martin Schwepp from the International Committee of the Red Cross says the situation in the region is dire. This is a population that has already endured a lot of hardship, that has already been fragile, that has already been destabilized. And now this earthquake has certainly brought them to the brink of exhaustion. And it's a race against time to make sure that as much aid as possible can reach these people in order to help them stay warm, help to get food, help to get medicine. The World Health Organization says 26 million people require humanitarian aid and the needs are only increasing, as are health risks, with millions homeless in near-freezing temperatures. Hans Kluger is the WHO's Europe director. We are witnessing the worst natural disaster in the WHO European region for a century. But I can assure you that the WHO will remain steadfast alongside the people of Turkey and Syria for as long as it takes. Nine more quake survivors have been rescued in Turkey, but the number confirmed killed in both countries is now more than 41,000. Turkey's President Erdogan has said the quakes were as big as atomic bombs and one of the greatest natural disasters in history. He promised to launch an ambitious reconstruction plan. The Western nations backing Ukraine have promised that their military support will not falter in the face of a new Russian offensive as the first anniversary of the war approaches. After a meeting with NATO defence ministers in Brussels, the top US general Mark Milley said President Putin had made a mistake in thinking he could have a short war with little opposition and was paying dearly on the battlefield. The Russian military has paid tremendous costs in their war of aggression and now they've resorted to sending conscripts and prisoners to imminent death. In recent months, the group who gathered here today pledged to provide significant quantities of battlefield capabilities, tanks, air defense, and munitions. 
The group is focused, focused on delivering the capabilities committed and efficiently providing the training, the spare parts, the sustainment logistics necessary for the full employment of these systems. The U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said he expected the Ukrainians to launch their own offensive in the spring, and Western allies were working to ensure they had the weapons they needed. He said Ukraine had urgent requirements for what he called a crucial moment in the war. At least four people are confirmed to have died in New Zealand after Cyclone Gabrielle struck the North Island on Monday. Around 10,000 people have been displaced and tens of thousands of homes are still without power. Some people have had to swim to safety, while others have been helicoptered off their roofs. This report from the BBC's Phil Mercer. For four hours, a group of orchard workers waited on the roof of a farm building in the Hawke's Bay region as the floodwaters rose. They were finally rescued by a helicopter. Hundreds of New Zealanders have similar stories of escape. Officials say the storm has moved off the coast and that the worst is over. But their warning conditions are still dangerous. A high-level National Security Crisis Committee has been convened as communities across New Zealand's North Island confront widespread devastation. The White House has said preliminary evidence suggests three aerial objects shot down by U.S. jets were not involved in what it described as a wider Chinese espionage program. National Security Spokesman John Kirby said they could have been balloons for commercial or research purposes. They were detected following the shooting down of a giant balloon that Beijing said was conducting weather research by the U.S. earlier this month. Mr Kirby said President Biden had been acting out of an abundance of caution. Though we had no indications that any of these three objects were surveilling, we couldn't rule that out. And so there, you know, you want to err on the side of safety here in terms of protecting our national security interests and the fact that these objects uh, could have and, uh, and likely did at some point in their path uh, transit over, you know, potential military sites of ours or sensitive sites. The European Parliament has passed legislation which will stop new petrol or diesel cars being sold in member countries from 2035. Opponents of the move had argued it would cost hundreds of thousands of jobs, but supporters insist the law is necessary to move the European Union towards carbon neutrality. The EU's Climate Change Commissioner is Franz Timmermans. The Industrial Revolution is happening, whether we like it or not. We can choose to lead it, we can choose to do it in a way that is socially compatible with our values or we can leave it to other parts of the world to lead it and then all we can do is follow and deindustrialize. We need to rebuild our industry on the basis of the future. A newly developed drug has raised the possibility of the introduction of a contraceptive pill for men. Here's the BBC's Charles Haviland. The only existing male contraceptives are the condom and the vasectomy, which is permanent. This potential drug, though, raises the possibility of an over-the-counter male pill. The New York-based researchers used the drug on mice to, in effect, switch off an enzyme called soluble adenylyl cyclase. With that enzyme deactivated, sperm cannot propel themselves and so cannot impregnate. For the next few hours, it seems, fertility is eliminated, but within 24 hours, it is restored. To sports, where Champions League football has returned, with Bayern Munich winning 1-0 at Paris Saint-Germain in their last 16 first leg, and AC Milan taking the same lead over Spurs. Teo Hernandez enters the penalty area, the angle is tight, saved by the goalkeeper, and on the follow-up, 
Brahim Diaz scored seven minutes into the contest at the San Siro and that was enough for the Italians to take a lead to London in three weeks' time. The former Milan goalkeeper Azmir Begovic believes Spurs will bounce back in the second match. I don't see how they're going to be so tame going forward in the, in the second leg. You know, I think when you look at that firepower, Richarlison and Dan Juma coming off the bench, um, of course, with the boys that started, I feel like they're going to create more chances and I feel like they will, they will score. And I think if they score, it's going to be difficult for Milan to counter. Kingsley Coman's second-half goal in Paris gave Bayern the advantage over PSG. Chelsea visit Borussia Dortmund tonight, while Club Bruges hosts Benfica. The English Premier League is gearing up for tonight's big match, which has the potential to shape the title race as leaders Arsenal host Manchester City. The teams are separated by just three points. The Arsenal boss, Mikel Arteta, believes the gap should be five points after the VAR failed to rule out a goal in Saturday's one-all draw with Brentford. The English referee's body has admitted an error was made, but Arteta says it's still hard to take. Because that wasn't a human error. That was a, a beast a big, 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 not conceiving and understanding your job, and um, and that's not acceptable. I'm sorry, and that course starts on two points, and uh, that's not going to be restored. So we're going to have to find those two points somewhere else um, in the league. Turning to cricket, Australia have picked up their second win at the Women's T20 World Cup with an eight-wicket success over Bangladesh. The reigning champions reached their victory target of 108 with 10 balls to spare. Captain Meg Lanning led the way with 48 not out. If Australia lift another trophy, it'll be the continuation of another period of dominance, similar to the West Indies men's sides in the 1980s and the Australian men's sides of the 90s. Cricket historian Raf Nicholson says Australia's women deserve to be held in such high esteem. Well, I think arguably we already should be talking about them in those terms. No one else has won a Women's World Cup since 2017. They were the Commonwealth Games gold medal winners last year. They've got several players who'd be in any kind of all-time women's cricket 11, if you look back across the history, Meg Lang, Beth Mooney, Alyssa Healy, etc. To the weather forecast, it'll be mainly fine and dry this afternoon, but cloudy periods tonight. Winds will be moderate to fresh, northeasterlies occasionally strong offshore later. The outlook's still cool in the mornings in the next few days, but temperatures will rise over the weekend. Currently, the observatory, it's 19 degrees Celsius, relative humidity just 54%, and please be advised the red fire danger warning is currently enforced. News and weather, RTHK. The Brew with Phil Whelan on Radio 3.
17 on Radio 3. And let me go. It's Wednesday afternoon, 19 past 1. It is The Brew here on Radio 3. Stick around. It's Classical Music Day because it's Wednesday. And today, of course, Paul Archibald, brilliant trumpet player, is going to be bringing you some works by the great masters all about love. And one of them's about ecstasy. <laughs> so listen up for the next few minutes and we'll catch up with Paul from Bangkok. Try to get me 